when I was growing up and I would watch other bands, a lot of the times it would be just guys. And I think when you're a guy and you see that, you can reflect yourself in somebody. It's like, I can do that because there's a guy that is doing that. I mean, it has changed a lot. But when I was growing up, I couldn't really mirror myself in a lot of people. But those that I found, I like really related to and I really admired. But that's why, you know, all representation is just so important. It's so important to see someone like yourself doing something. That was Nana. And this is Shiro's. A podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. One of the biggest bands to kick off the decade in 2010 was Icelandic indie folk rockers of Monsters and Men with their internationally successful multi-platinum debut, My Head is an Animal. They put out their sophomore effort Beneath the Skin in 2015, and 2019 saw the release of their third full-length Fever Dream. The six-piece band's origin story takes us back to their front woman's late teen years, writing and performing as a solo project called Songbird. Nana got her first guitar at 13 and immediately began writing songs. In just a few years, she was playing her songs in loud pubs, accompanied by only her acoustic guitar. And after a move to Reykjavik, Nana finally decided to get loud herself. And while initially she was adding musicians to build on her sound as Songbird, little did they know that the seeds were planted that would grow into the band of Monsters and Men. While enjoying the success of her band, Nana also continued writing songs that didn't quite fit that project. And after a series of life events that left her feeling a bit ungrounded, as well as a forced break due to the pandemic, Nana found the time and the space to step out on her own for her first solo album under her own name, titled How to Start a Garden. And while this is a return to where all this began, We'll hear how this solo debut is also a culmination of the past decade and a half of Nana's own growth as a musician, a songwriter, and a producer. We celebrate its arrival, perfectly timed with the spring, as Nana joins us as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Welcome to Shiro's, Nana. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. What an exciting time. Your solo debut, How to Start a Garden. I can't even imagine what you must be feeling right now. Big feelings, I would think. I'm really, really excited, but it's been a long process. So it actually feels kind of surreal. It's very strange because I've just been living with these songs for such a long time. Well, maybe you could take us back to the origin story of How to Start a Garden. What prompted you to take this journey on your own? Well, when I started making music, when I was a teenager, I had a solo project and I would just be playing all the pubs and, you know, I was like a 16 year old with my guitar, like sneaking into bars (laughs) to play. And I would just do this kind of all over where I grew up. And then when I moved to Reykjavik and I met these guys that I then started the band with, that just kind of took over. And most of my focus went there, but I was always writing songs on the side that just didn't quite fit the band life. So for me right now, this feels like returning to something 
or like revisiting yes. something that was a huge part of me. I love that you clarified that. And I was going to ask you about those early days in Songbird and how Of Monsters and Men originated with you. Like, I don't know how many people know that. Let's set the record straight. (laughs) You had your project Songbird and you looked for more musicians to make it a bigger thing. And then Of Monsters and Men happened. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, I was just writing songs and playing the bars. And then I was playing acoustic guitar and and doing the singer-songwriting thing. And then at some point, you know how the crowd at pubs are. They're very rowdy. And I was like, all right, I want to make noise as well. (laughs) And then I met the guys and one by one they joined me on stage. And then at, at one point, you know, we were just like, we're a band now. We're writing these songs together. And that's how it started. I would love to dive into a song. Why don't you take us to a song on how to start a garden that maybe was the first that got the ball rolling? Well, there's two songs that come to mind, actually. But the oldest song on the record is Blood Clot, slash Antwaka. And that's a song that I wrote like 2019. And I was in New York, actually, on tour. And it was the first song that made me think, okay, I want to actually start the process of making this record. And then another one... It's actually How to Start a Garden, the the opening track of the album, because it's a song that has followed me from the very beginning until the very end. It's like I wrote it and I recorded this demo of it. And then I kept just kind of finding these sounds along the way, adding to it. You know, I would like go with my friends somewhere in Iceland. Like we went to this farm, a big group of us, all artists, and we were just working in our separate corners and I would like record them talking (laughs) secretly and like put them in the track (laughs) and stuff like this. So it captures the time of this album. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a great place to start today. And I love that it starts the whole album, too. And the first thing that you hear is sounds of nature. What are we hearing here? You're hearing a bit of rain and like birds. These are like birds that are outside my cabin. It's really funny with the songs of birds. They sound different from where you are. So like in my garden where I live in Reykjavik, they sound a certain way. And then in the cabin, they sound totally different. But those are those birds. And then it's my friends and we're talking and laughing and like just little sounds in the house. And what about lyrically? Can you help us understand like how this became the thread that you weave throughout these songs? Because you keep coming back to a lot of these themes of gardens and vines and roots and dirt all throughout the record. Yeah, it's funny how this happens sometimes. It's not very deliberate. And I just noticed it in the very end, like, oh, these, this course. is the theme, you know. But I think I was in a place in my life where I just needed to find roots. There was a lot of things changing for me. I was moving homes and leaving a relationship. And so a lot of the things that I had found ground in was suddenly not there anymore. And I had moved into this new place and my neighbor is a gardener. And I would just watch him and kind of be in awe of what he was making. And just also the act of taking care of a garden and the work that goes into it and the love and how you have to be so patient. And I felt like I was in the process of relearning a lot of those things. So this was right after the pandemic. I'd been touring with my band and I came home and then it was stillness and it was hard to stay still. Suddenly 
How to Start a Garden, the title track and the lead track of Nana's solo debut album. She's our guest today on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. It's so interesting talking to you about how you feel like this is more of a return than something new that you're starting. But now you have all of these years of experience under your belt. So some similarities and some differences from when you were a teenager writing your first songs. Talk to us about some of those similarities and some of those differences. Mm, Yeah, it is very different. But it's also funny. You know, I found a song that I wrote when I was like, yeah, a teenager, 16 or something. And I had completely forgotten about this song. But it did sound like something that I could have been on the record, really. I think the similarities are that I go into this like very introverted mode. And it's like I am in my bedroom with my guitar and writing these songs from a very personal place. And that's what I did when I was, you know, starting out. But like you said, it's been a few years. So there's some added experience on top of that now. And you produced a lot of this album or all of it and then co-produced a bunch of the songs too, right? Is that something new for you to take the production reins? Yeah, it is. I mean, when I'm with the band, we're kind of all doing it, you know, and it's different. Like Some songs that maybe I bring to the table, I have a very specific idea, but it's a very collaborative thing. And for this album, I had so specific ideas for it. But also then I did work with Josh Kaufman. And Aaron Dessner and both of them, just these brilliant guys who brought so much to the records. I love to dive into the choices that we make making music and what it's like for us being so outnumbered a lot of the time. Studios are places that we're often outnumbered as female identifying people. So I was curious to talk to you about your experience. I mean, you've been in a band with, I think, all men. You have a touring member, maybe that's a woman, right? But for the most part, the band has been... All Men and You. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So what has that experience been like for you? And how does it feel to own this space for yourself now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been surrounded by guys in music my entire career. But when I started, I was actually a part of this female collective. There were these other women who were making music and we would have these nights where we would play our stuff. And I've actually just realized in the last few years that everyone that I knew in the music scene were all guys. And, you know, it's my only reference, really. But, you know, I found a lot of independence in making this record and like believing in myself and that I could do this and I could produce. And, you know, I guess when I was growing up and I would watch other bands and a lot of the times it would be just guys. And I think when you're a guy and you see that, you can reflect yourself in somebody. It's like, I can do that because there's a guy that is doing that. I mean, it has changed a lot. But when I was growing up, I couldn't really mirror myself in a lot of people. 
But those that I found, I like really related to and I really, you know, admired. But that's why all representation is just so important. It's so important to see someone like yourself doing something. Who were some of those people that you saw yourself in? I mean, if I think about being from Iceland and obviously, you know, someone like Björk, who, you know, just is such a huge influence. But there's also these women in Iceland like one called Leilo. She made this acoustic music that was really powerful to me. Yeah, so there were definitely some people in Iceland that I was like, those women are cool. <laughs> so how did you come to connect with Aaron and Josh? It was just through mutual friends, really, like people that knew them. And I was in a time making this record where I was just here in Iceland and I was working very remotely and I was feeling like I really wanted to have, it was something that I was really drawn to at that point because, you know, I'm like coming from this band environment and now I just want to do this on my own terms. But then I got really kind of bored with myself. <laughs> so you're um, craving some input from yeah, somebody else. Yeah, I was just craving like being in a room with people and like the energy that you feel when you're creating something, you get excited about something with someone else. You know, yeah. it's such a powerful feeling. And then I was introduced to both of them separately. And with Aaron, I'm a very big national fan. So that was really, really cool to connect with him and go up to Long Pond to meet up and make some stuff together. And then with Josh going up to Dreamland where we recorded, it was such a cool experience and it added so much to the records. For listeners that don't know about Dreamland Studios, it sort of sits right between the city that I'm in, actually, Kingston, New York, and Woodstock in a town called Hurley. And it's sort of in the woods, and it's an old church. And I worked there fresh out of college. I was the night girl. <laughs> and um, and there was definitely ghosts in yeah, that and building, I'm, I'm for so sure. I'm so excited <laughs> to not know that. And I'm obsessed, so... But it's a beautiful room and lots of really amazing albums have been recorded there. And Josh actually did the Bonnie Light Horseman project yes. there, too. And and funny, I just mentioned ghosts and I didn't even think about this. Ghosts is another thing yeah. that pops up a lot in the album. I was like, wow, this album could have even been called like Ghosts and Gardens, you know. Um, <laughs> it's another running theme. Do you want to point us to a song where you feel like when you listen to the song, you're brought back to a moment either in Dreamland or Long Pond? Oh, yeah. Well, definitely Disaster Master. That's a song that we recorded in Dreamland. And it's a song that when I was working on this record, I did all kinds of different things. Sometimes I was just programming something and then would record on top of that. Or I would play the guitar and figure out everything. And then it was at a good place once we started recording. And for this song, I'd been playing the guitar, but the lyrics, I was still figuring them out while I was on the plane going to oh, wow. Dreamland, you know, which is unusual for me. I, I stay with them for a while. And then when I landed and met Josh, it was the first song that I showed him because I was just excited because it was a new song. And it was the first song we worked on together. And when we were working on it, I knew that we would click. It was just instantaneously, we just synced. So this song is about... I called it Disaster Master because I thought it was a very extravagant name and very dramatic. <laughs> 
And it's kind of like about anxiety. And, you know, there's a thing of being addicted to disastrous thinking, which is when you sometimes maybe there's a certain comfort in going all the way like, oh, this is going to all crash and burn. There's something nice about that, you know. So that's kind of what the song is about. It's kind of embracing your inner disaster master. <laughs> there's a glitch that I cannot seem to fix back again where I started the trip. Where I started to trip Cause I'm addicted to disastrous thinking And I think that you are too Tornado just swept through this time We barely made it through Disaster Master from the new Nana solo album, How to Start a Garden. She's our guest today on Shiro's Radio. I'm Carmel Holt. It has the line, start with nothing, start a garden, the ghost and me. So there it is, gardens and ghosts. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about your musical background. Like, how did you and music first meet up? So I grew up in a town called Gardur. It's like in the south of Iceland. It's on the peninsula. And when I was a kid, I was very drawn to music and immediately just drawn to songwriting and at one point my mom gave me a guitar when I was about 13 and I went to music school for a few years. I think I was an okay student. I had a really hard time learning notes and the structural thing of music. I couldn't connect to it but mm -hmm. I had like a really amazing teacher you know I would come to his class and I would be like I'm working on this song and he's like all right show me the song and so our classes became about me writing a song and bringing it to him it was really great because he you know encouraged me to continue doing this thing and also gave me the confidence as a 13 year old 14 year old girl who didn't you know maybe see herself in a lot of people around her that I was fully capable of writing music then I you know, would be playing the bars and going around playing gigs. And then moved to Reykjavik and met some guys <laughs> and started a band with them. Uh, and I think I got interested in producing actually on my band's second record because our first record was very maybe organic and we wrote a lot of it kind of while we were playing shows. It was very much like interactive with people. And then later on, the other singer was living in Denmark. So like we would send things between and that's how the more like production side started to make me interested. It's very playful. <laughs> We talk a lot on this show about the lack of representation of women and non-binary people behind the boards as mix engineers and producers. And it's so awesome that you've taken the reins as a producer on this album. I was thinking about you being up at Long Pond, Aaron Dessner's studio, and they have an amazing mix engineer, a friend of mine named Bella Blasco. Did you have a chance to work with her? Oh, yeah. When I was working with her, I realized that she was one of the only women that I've been in the studio with. And I did. There was a difference. Like I could sense how comfortable I felt. And sometimes you feel a bit uncomfortable. If you don't feel comfortable with the engineer, it's just you just completely shut down. Like it's the place where you're supposed to feel like I want to try this. I want to have, you know, I have all this idea. Let's just be like playful and free and it's going to be fun. 
And if you don't have that, ideas just die. It's just the worst when you hear that, that ideas die in the studio because of women feeling uncomfortable. Bella and I went out for drinks one night and came up with an idea to put together a series of workshops called Sound Language for women and non-binary people to learn how to communicate with engineers in the studio so they don't get ignored or they don't feel that discomfort in a studio setting. That makes so much sense. Yeah, we're speaking the same language. She's probably like, I've been in that situation. And like this thing of when you maybe say something, but then, you know, it's just kind of overlooked and then somebody says it again. (laughs) But I don't know. It's that's such a good point. Why don't we go to another track here? Could you point us to a song that you feel really proud of from a production standpoint? I'm pretty proud of Sputnik. It was really fun to do that one. And that one is mostly me in my bedroom, really. (laughs) And a lot of programming and kind of playing around with sounds. It was just nice. It reminds me of working late into the night and just kind of getting lost in something and you don't really know what time it is. And and I love that feeling so much. Nick, another track from the new Nana album, How to Start a Garden. She's our guest today on Shiro's Radio. Nana, before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask you a question that I ask every guest that comes on the show. I will give to you the Shiro's magic wand. And with the wand, you have the power to change anything in music for women or non-binary people. If you had that magic wand, what would you change? Oh, wow. That's a hard one. Wow. I mean, okay, the very first thing, it it, it feels like such a responsibility. It's a a very heavy wand. It's a heavy wand. My arms is probably very, you know, tired. (laughs) They're like, ugh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, this wand. (laughs) I mean, this is just the first thing that comes to my head. I might have a different answer, like if you would ask me tomorrow or like any day. But I just thought like, "Mm, there's... You know, it's like it's so easy if you are surrounded by guys, for example, like that. It just gets kind of pinned on like, oh, yeah, they're the geniuses, you know, and you're kind of along for the right. I mean, I would kind of maybe change that where it's the way that people are perceived. It's just equal. That's the very first thing that came to my head. That's a good one. I want us all to be thriving and happy and like have opportunities and connect with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Good use of the wand. Yeah. I'm, yeah I like it's that. like when you yeah. get a, a, you know, like the genie lamp and you ask yeah, for exactly. like 100 more wishes. wishes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think has changed the most for us since you started doing this, since you've been doing this since you were a teenager? What's changed the most for the better? 
Oh, I mean, I think it has changed a lot. I'm saying this thing with like how people perceive women, but I do think it has come so far. I do think that it used to be very much like you're the singer, you're just there to look pretty almost. Or maybe I'm just in my bubble and that's, you know, how it is. But I think that has changed tremendously. Mm, I think there's a lot more representation. Yeah, you can kind of mirror yourself in a lot more people and the opportunities are more. There are more people, uh, women like producing and writing and you can see that. And I think that's pretty cool. Like uh, you. Thank you. But yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, that's true. And now, <laughs> yeah, now you're paving the way for others, which is amazing. You know, you're taking what you was lacking when you were a kid and I'm sure you're touching so many lives. What an accomplishment. This album is absolutely stunning. Thank it's you. gorgeous. Is it okay if I suggest a couple of tracks to go out with today? Yes, please. Some of my favorites are actually like deep in the album, like at the very end. Mm. I love Voyager and I love Seabed so much, oh, the final track. That's cool. Oh, thank you. I, that, I actually, those two tracks are also like very close to my heart. Like for Voyager, that's another song that I did with Josh. We just sat across from each other and played. And I just thought it was really special. And you can hear all the little creaks and things in the song. And I love those things. And then for Seabed, that's a song that was recorded, you know, between Iceland and Long Pond with Aaron. And there was another thing where it was just really great to be there with him and like working on this song together. And then in the very end, I'm singing a little mantra in Icelandic. Yes. I, what does that mean? Oh, it's about death. <laughs> But in a really beautiful way. It's like, it's endings because the whole concept of the album really is, you know, how to start a garden, how to start something from nothing. And that opening track where it feels like everything is in bloom and you're entering something. And then when the first verse comes, the lyrics are signing off and I can hear, barely hear your voice. Television told me to expect the storm and you're kind of in a winter. I wanted the journey throughout the album to be kind of this thing of you're searching and it's not summer. And there isn't a garden. And so there's only like the hope for one. Then in the very end, Seabed, the end song. So you would maybe think that something would be resolved, but it's not. You're kind of like still searching. And in the very end, it's a mantra in Icelandic that is kind of like a ghost story. And it's about things ending and dying. And then the very tale of the song, you can hear birds and raining. And the idea was that it just kind of loops and we're always going in a circle and we're never really figuring anything out. We're like always constantly trying to start a garden. <laughs> Thanks to Nana. Thank you so much for being with us on Shiro's. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank Congratulations you. on How to Start a Garden. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
Many thanks to Nana for being with us. Her solo debut, How to Start a Garden, is available now on Republic Records. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast that helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.